from CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interweb CSG podcast live from Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street. It's Tuesday. The Jake's, that means two for one wells and drafts. So if you like wells and drafts, get on down here. Ross, hipster's glasses, Martin, out of the country. We sent him to Bangladesh to uncover the secrets of basketball there. But make his way all the way down here from Thornton. We've got the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? And um, I wasn't aware until, until, I woke, until I woke up this morning. Draft Express has stupid sound. Yes, they do. I wasn't aware until I woke up this morning that uh, Denver had been replaced with the surface of the sun and that I will be melting anytime. Good so, Lord. So yeah. if, there, if, there's a, if there's like a splash, it's because I've melted. It's hotter than a woolly mammoth's butt out there. <laughs> Man, it's hotter than a rhubarb pie being baked in a bread basket out there today. <laughs> yes. It's hotter than an egg being fried on a Scottsdale sidewalk. Yeah. It is unbelievable out there. And I just drove from Thornton to here, and it was the hottest ride in a car I've ever had in my life. It's hotter than a glass of water being held by Andre the Giant. (laughs) It's just straight miserable out there. Yes, it's it's hotter than all those things. Yeah. But uh, you know what else is hot, Jeff? Yes. Well, I guess it's not really. I mean, the NBA Finals talk... NBA Finals, that was hot Sunday night. The Cleveland Cavaliers oh, yeah. dominated their third game in a row. Came out with a, a nail-biter. We finally got a good game out of the Finals. Game 7, actually close, came down to the wire. You know, five minutes left, three minutes left. You still have a tie game, one possession game here and there. Uh, it comes down to, you know, LeBron having some heroics, terrific block on Iguodala, Kyrie Irving hitting a, a kind of a falling-away three-pointer to give him that... 92-89 lead, I believe it was, and and then LeBron obviously tried to destroy Draymond Green on a on a dunk attempt, cutting down the lane, and then the background on that play when LeBron got fouled on that dunk where he went down and I think he held his wrist, a la Paul Pierce getting carted off in a wheelchair and then coming back a few minutes later. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Love in the background, I don't know if you saw him, was going ballistic. When LeBron was like in the air, he was like jumping around, like, oh my God. Like, he was basically like I was on my couch when he was going up. I was like, LeBron's going to do his patented exclamation point dunk to bring home the title. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, let's face it, that was, this was the series of LeBron. I mean, Kyrie Irving was great, but this was the series of LeBron. Kevin Love, nine points, 14 rebounds. Yes. To hit that glass. Man, he finally had an adequate game. I, I was happy for him. Yeah, I mean that was that was that was good of him. I don't think if um, the Warriors had uh, what was it uh, Bogut, they probably wouldn't have had those numbers. You know, I mean, I think that uh, Steve Kerr starting Festus Azili and playing him significant minutes in the second half wasn't uh, maybe the best coaching decision I've ever seen from Steve Kerr. But, uh, you know, listen, it's, uh, it's when you do what you got to do in a desperation game one, you know, winner take all game seven. It's, but uh, it, was, it was amazing. It was, it was the series of LeBron. I mean, that's the only thing you can say. This was LeBron's series. It's always funny to me, too, like when we look at these finals, like right now in the moment, you know, all the talking points you can come up with. Like, like you said, we have 
Draymond getting suspended for the ball punch. Uh, that leads to most likely an Andrew Bogut injury in the next game because had Draymond been available, who knows what lineup they would have on the floor. Maybe Bogut doesn't get hurt. Maybe that doesn't mean Azili and Anderson Verjao play that much. But in the grand scheme of things, all that's going to be forgotten. You know, in the next year, two years, five years down the road, and it's just going to be, man, remember when those 73-9 and Warriors lost to the Cavaliers? No one's going to remember the specifics of, well, yeah, but had Draymond not got suspended, maybe the series would have been over. People wouldn't, they won't remember that stuff. Just like when you talk about the Nuggets-Warriors series from a few years ago, they're like, oh, remember when the Warriors kicked the Nuggets' ass? No one says, yeah, but Gallinari was hurt. Gallinari was out and Kenneth Freed was hurt, you know. but No one talks about Nuggets fans remember that, but the the general public does not. Right. And um, So this this 73-9 and Warriors team will go down as a failure. You know, and <laughs> it's a failure. It well, failed. You no, know, listen, listen. There's probably some some geeks screaming at the podcast. Just right like now. the 71 win Mavericks failed. <laughs> they lost to the Warriors. I think, really, and in it's the, the, the biggest impo- upset in playoff history. The 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 important thing. Well, in in the the, the the Warriors' minds, yeah, it was because you could tell they did not respect the the Cavs. You could absolutely could tell they did not respect the Cavs, and. I think um, you know Matt Moore has said it over and over. They angered LeBron. You know LeBron was kind of just kind of passive. It's like okay, this is another beating. Get at the end of Game Four, and then the two days prior, with all the chirping that the Warriors were doing, they pissed off LeBron, and he put in together the greatest three grain, three game stretch stretch in Finals history because he was just angry at them. Do you have a, uh, a favorite LeBron play from that series? I'm thinking specifically of one. I have two. I'm just going to split the baby here because I have two, and they're both blocks. <laughs> yeah, mine was – I mean, mine had to be – ah, man, I don't know. Yeah, that Iguodala block was epic. That was – I mean, that was incredible. The one he had on Curry where he talked shit afterwards was awesome. Just from that aspect of you don't really see players do that too much. And then, but I, I mean, obviously, it was that chase down block will be played over and over throughout the annals of history. <laughs> annals of history. And you know, it's 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 amazing that this series had such signature moments in them. But the the signature moment to me is the block on Curry, where Curry, you know, I mean, it wasn't a great block. I mean, all you know, Curry was just wasn't able to get LeBron to run into him. He was clearly trying to draw a foul. And then he kind of threw up a weak shot, and LeBron blocked it. But LeBron looking at Curry and talking shit was an indication to me that the series was the Cavs. To me, that was when I was like, the Cavs are going to win this. Because it was, just, it, w- it was just that moment. And I think in, in series like that, you do have moments where you're like, the, the best player in this series is not going to take crap. He's just going to be the guy who takes over and does it. And in the NBA, that's what you got. You you know in no other sport do you have the best players have such a significant impact, and uh, that's where I knew it's like the Warriors are toast. And even though the Warriors made it, you know, were leading it by eight at one point against the 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 uh, uh, Cavs at the second half of Game uh, Seven, I never got the feeling that they were pulling ahead. It was always felt fraudulent to me, and it was like the Cavs had it, and it, when they could not blow them out. In the third quarter, that's when I knew it's like this is the Cavs game. I was terrified the whole way through because I've I've just seen Golden State erase any kind of lead, any situation. But you're right; it was more of a Cleveland game, and the fact that 
they just they did seem to have control of scored eighty nine points. To, yeah, as we used to talk to George Carl about just that flow, the flow of the game, you know, the tempo, the way it was being played was obviously a Cavs game. Although, I mean, those last what was the last five minutes of the fourth quarter like? What were the teams combined like one of sixteen? Neither shooting? team could <laughs> score, but that was going to benefit the the Cavs. Yeah, probably because they got the guy who can create. But you know, I mean, who you know, who would have thought that Kyrie Irving, the much maligned by the way, Kyrie Irving, uh, who coming into the series, would have that kind of like in your face moment with Steph Curry. Yeah. I mean, just a three point in the face. I mean, like. That was, I mean, I would, my, my inclination, if the, LeBron wasn't on the Cavs, I would have said that's the signature moment in the series. But really, it was LeBron and him talking shit to Curry that was like, it basically was to me, that was, was what the series was all about. Particularly after the step over and the, uh, the knock to the balls. Yeah. Great. Really fun series. And then it leads to some questions, obviously, heading into this NBA offseason. You know, you start with, you know, Kevin Durant. What's he going to do? Could he possibly join Golden State? Could Golden State possibly let Harrison Barnes walk? I think Barnes has been a, a pretty good, um, you know, fourth guy, sometimes the third guy for that team. Like, he'll hit shots every once in a while, whatever. You know, what's going to happen there? Is LeBron going to go back to Cleveland? You'd have to say probably yes. Is Kevin Love going to be in a Cavs uniform again? I mean, they won the title. Could you justify trading him and mixing things up that much? What if he accepts that role as, you know, the third guy and is okay with nine and fourteen? You know, we got to find that stuff out. But, you know, can the Warriors get back to the finals? Can Cleveland get back there? It's going to be very interesting to see what happens this off season. And where the hell is Dwight Howard going to sign? <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know, Dwight Howard opted out today. He he turned down twenty three million dollars to hit the free agent market. He might have to go to Europe. I don't know if any NBA teams want him. Who wants him? Why, well, why would you sign Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard can excel on a team that is not the Houston Rockets. Sucks in the locker room. Probably. Not the same player that he once was. Not the same league that needs players like him that much. I, he'll find a home, but I'm interested Dwight to see Dwight was different goes. before he was taunted into trying to become a post player by Shaq. He was a much more modern NBA center before that point. You know, and I guess that speaks to his mental makeup that he let Shaq taunt him into to, uh, that sort of thing. But there is, I mean, there's Dwight Howard. He's out, you know, and then Kevin Durant. Now there's there's rumors that the the, the Golden State Warriors want them some Kevin Durant and Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, I just saw a tweet came by from somebody from the uh, Dallas Star Tribune and said Dirk is opting out but will not play for the Warriors. He will resign with the Mavs, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Dirk could be a pretty nice complimentary player, though. Bring him off the bench, let him shoot a couple threes here and there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's uh, the thing, though. Like, I even remember when Orlando when they lost Hedu Turkoglu uh, that year, they went to the finals and replaced him with Vince Carter. It just wasn't the same team. Hedu did so much stuff for that team, where it's it's going to be interesting to see what the Warriors do because minor tinkering, even if it's just Harrison Barnes leaving and somebody else coming in, could greatly affect your team. And Absolutely. Even if you added Kevin Durant, I, I, I don't quite think that Durant would want to go to Golden State for a variety of reasons. He seems to be attached to Oklahoma City. Uh, I don't know if you know how much he'd be willing to share the ball, how much he'd be willing to do just to try to win a title. 
Um, and Durant's also ISO heavy. Yeah, and they're not an ISO heavy offense unless you're Curry. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with the Warriors. I'm not 100 percent sure that they're going to be well, who they were again this year. Well, let me ask you. I'm a skeptic. What do you, let me ask you. What do you think they will do next year? Do you think they'll be just as good? I don't think so. I don't. Th- I don't think they'll win 70 games again. Uh, I, I just think that was too much of a mountain to climb, and kind of like the Spurs did a few years ago, and they had that, you know, and they won all those games. Like you did it for that year, and it's like, you know, if things don't quite go that way at the beginning of the year, I don't think they're going to try to push to do that again. You know, whether it they think it helped lead to Steph Curry's injury that may have hampered him a bit in the postseason or whatnot, I just don't know if it'd be worth it to do that again, or if they will get off to that tremendous start. You know, I mean, obviously, if you are 25 and one and you're like yeah well, i guess we'll kind of see how this thing goes but no nah, i don't know i'm curious to see how the offseason plays out and long way away from making predictions but we are right around the corner from the nba draft yes we are thursday june 23rd nuggets fans have been waiting with uh with, uh there are those in the know who called bated breath yeah and the nuggets are actually this. throwing a draft party at pepsi center they're going to have the draft on yeah the gigantic Jumbotron. And also, Stiffs is holding a draft party here at uh, Jake's Food and Sports, and, not Food, Sports and Spirits uh, for the draft. Um, unlike the lottery, which lasts two seconds, um, this, is, this is an all-night thing. And, uh, excuse me, as long as the draft lasts, which is about two hours. So, uh, it's, the draft is at, uh, the, it starts, the coverage starts at five. I don't even I don't know if the uh, um, actual drafting starts until five thirty. You know who knows? Who knows? I mean, they always get started. Go late, to Pepsi Center. Come to Jake's. Either one. You'll have they, a good time. Yeah, that's that's the co- when the coverage starts at five. If um, you like a so, more intimate setting, come on down to Jake's Sports and Spirits. Yes. Thirty hundred Walnut. Street. You could you could watch the Nuggets while you're uh, uh, watching sitting next to Jim Turner k- kicking a field goal for the Broncos. Yes, very cool. <laughs> Let's uh let's go through I got some questions on the old Twitter machine here related to the Nuggets and this NBA draft. Let's just go through these and answer some of them. Okay. Uh this one's from T Unit. T Units one two three. Who would you rather keep? Gallinari or Farid? Willing to part with both and all three picks for Demarcus Cousins? That's the other big that question. That's way too much for cousins. I think. You don't even like the draft. I know, but I mean, you're giving up three picks and two, two rotation players. I'll tell you for what, Demarcus. That's a, that'd be a tough deal for Sacramento to turn down. Hey, we're going into a new stadium. Yeah. Kenneth Reed, very marketable player. Yeah. Gallinari's seen as being, a, I think, a, an above average NBA player. Yeah. Three draft picks to try to retool with, one of them being number seven. You know, and then what does Sacramento's pick? Eight or nine? Something like that? I mean, what if you trade both of those up to three or something? I don't know. I mean, I think that would be if you propose that offer to Sacramento, I think they have to think about it. Who's Sacramento's coach now? Uh, Dave Yeager. Yeager. Okay. Yeager. Dave Yeager. Yorger. Jorger. Freeze him and lick him. (laughs) You're pretty drunk. (laughs) Um, It's interesting. I don't know if I, I would go that far. I mean, I don't know how much it benefits the Nuggets to give up three draft picks. I personally don't like the draft, but I, I think that's a tough, tough pill. Um, I think you could make... Maybe keep 19, trade 15 and 7. Yeah, maybe keep <laughs> 7 and give them the other two. I mean, they already... I mean, Sacramento already has the number 8 pick. 
Yeah, so, was. you know, I, I think that it wouldn't... Be. So you would not want to do that deal? No. Personally, okay. no. Because that's just, just way too much for Cousins. Yeah. I would consider that deal for sure. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Who would you rather keep, Gallo or Fareed? Gallo. Gallo, personally, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. Bobby Gonzalez, our friend. Should the Nuggets take the best available, or do they have to focus on shooters? I'm sure he's talking about the seventh pick. Best player available, no question. Uh, you have to you have to pick best player available anytime you're in the lottery. Um, there are shooters available, which is like a kind of like a convergence of need and best player available. But if, say, if uh, Dragon Bender falls, well, let's you, say, you let's take say Bender. Let's say this happens. Let's say it's Dragon Bender or Buddy Heald. Bender. You take Bender? You have to take Bender. I take Bender, too. Yeah, he has the highest ceiling. There's You just... I mean, there's a reason he was for the longest time projected as the third pick in the draft. Yeah, I, it's just you have to you have to go with the highest ceiling there, and then you figure out the shooting. And listen, there are shooters mid lottery. I mean, don't discount the fact that Dragon Bender is a pretty good three point shooter. I was yeah, watching a sports science on him that shows his trajectory of his three pointer has the same degree when it comes down as Steph Curry, a forty three percent angle. Interesting. Which gives it a very high percentage of, I think, hitting, if it does hit the rim, of bouncing straight up and perhaps going in. Interesting. That's what Dirk used to focus on as well with his shooting coach, is getting a, an arc to where if it does hit the rim, it would bounce straight up. That's perhaps interesting. fall back in. I mean, Bender is... One of the things that's good about Bender is the fact that he is a good defensive player. He's actually got, at what is he, 19, 18, 19 right now? 18, 19, or 20? I think he's 19. Sure. He's, he's pretty young. He already has a defensive mentality about him, and he's really lengthy. I mean, he's 7 feet, 7 1, and he in his position's basically forward, power forward. Well, Matt Moore just put out a tweet. I just saw it coming across my timeline here that said to the effect that, you know, some players need to understand that you can become a star without just scoring points. And to me, Bender might be one of those guys. Draymond Green is one of those guys. You know, if Bender is a good defender, a little bit of a rim protector, I know he's not an incredible leaper, uh, as Sam Vizzini had pointed out to me. Um, good lateral movement, you know, can block shots, can protect the rim a little bit, shoots a three a little bit, developing an offensive game. You know, if he's willing to be a super role player, you can be a star that way. Draymond Green is proving that. So if you allow, if you drafted Bender and had him at power forward, you could keep Jokic at center, which you know maybe gets rid of that question of Nurkic and Jokic, and you could just focus on the other one. And I don't know what you do with Nurkic. I still think maybe you want to keep him and see what happens for at least another year or two. But uh, I, I definitely like Dragon Bender as a as a future power forward prospect for the Nuggets if he were available there. Not sure he will be. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting because the Nuggets have that dynamic of their best defensive center being Nurkic, and he's been coming off the bench because of Jokic has been so good offensively. And it's rare, rare that your def- best defensive center comes off the bench. I, I, in fact, I can't really think of any, any time that it's happened in recent history. Oh, there's got to be a few cases. I, I don't, I, I can't think of it. Your anchor anchor position is your center still. I mean, look at the Knicks. So. Whoever they had at backup center was way better than Ewing. 
Dude, that's, that's complete lies and bullshit. Did um, you hear that Charles Oakley was, uh, was listening to the True podcast? causing shit outside of... <laughs> yeah. And he was like telling the Cleveland security like to stay away from him or yeah. something's going to happen. <laughs> He's trying to bust his way into the locker room. What connections does he have to get into the Cleveland locker room? Man. He's Charles... like two decades older than all the players. Listen, Charles Oakley, I still wouldn't want to mess with him. Love Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley, I mean, oh, anyway, that's, a, that's another story. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's a different – we can get into that later in Jerkic, or the Jerkic lineup or whatever. Right now, the Nuggets, as, as was said, they need to take the best player available. Yeah. They just are not in a position to where they can deny talent. They can't say, no, 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 we're gonna, not going to take you. You're too, you're, we know that you're the most talented person right here at the spot. We're just going to go ahead and take Marquise Chris or um, you know, Jalen Brown. You've got to go with Dragon Bender if he falls down to there, and, and who knows at this point. But if it's between Murray, Heald, and Bender, I go with Bender. Yeah, I think I would take Bender out of those three. Although, God, I love Jamal Murray. I'd I, love Jamal Murray, too. But he reminds me of J.R. Smith a little. That's just ridiculous. He's Canadian, <laughs> man. Come on. All right, here we go. By the way, I need to watch. Uh, I heard J.R. Smith gave an incredible uh, post game about his family. Earl. I still have it here. i got to listen to it. All right. Moving along. Oscar Gamble. Longtime listener. Convince me the Nuggets will be a good playoff team next year. They not I'm not going try. to do that. They no. Probably probably won't make the playoffs. I think they year. will be a better team. But I mean, we got to get it out of our heads that the Nuggets need to like immediately be in the playoffs. It's yeah. just that's not where they're at right now. Were the Nuggets going to beat the Thunder, the Warriors, the Cavs, Dallas in the yeah. postseason? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think people it's it just you can't take that leap. You can't skip steps. Now, if they traded for someone, they would be skipping steps, and then they would probably make it as a low-rung playoff team. But the question has merit because Tim Conley has said publicly, you know, we don't want to not be in the playoffs anymore. But Michael Malone has kind of gone the other way and said, you know, we shouldn't rush things, right? Or well, Michael Malone's also said that uh, he doesn't want any more young players on the roster. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of contradicting each other. I, I think that in the grand scheme of things, it was Danilo Gallinari who really came out and said, we used to talk about championships, and now we, you know, talk about now we just talk about maybe getting back to the playoffs, which tells you where his mind at is, is at with the roster. Um, me Gallo, me old, me want to win. Yes. Well, he's not that old yet. But, um me have lots of mileage on broken body. Me must win. <laughs> there is just so much. There's just so much that they can't do right now. They don't have the roster, and it would take a massive, massive makeover for them to start challenging for the playoffs. I mean, well, we'll have to, this we'll, last we'll year was bad. Yeah, and we'll revisit this question. I think ahead of the season because yeah. I, I, we need to see what happens with some other teams and what happens this off season. Obviously, because as we've talked about on here before, the West could undergo a pretty major shakeup next season as far as you know predictions and expectations of where teams may be yeah. so we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with with some of these free agents and whatnot but good question oscar but right now we can't answer that all right ct24 see tamale 24 hot tamale who should denver take at seven murray healed or chris and what do you and uh do you think they take luawu uh, I don't think they take Luawu at seven, at all. 
It's too high for Luau. I could see them trading 15 and 19, as, as we've talked about, the inverse of the trade they did with the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And trading for 13 or 14 and taking Luau. Yeah. I could maybe see that. I could see them doing that for uh, uh, either uh, Luau or Korkmaz. I can, I, can, I can see both. Um, but I can't see uh, Luawa going uh, at number seven. Um, as far as what was the first part of that question? So let's say uh, well, I'm going to read it this way. If these three guys are available at seven, Murray, Heald, or Marquise Chris, who should they take out of those three? I think I'd take Murray. I would take Murray. Although Chris is, I, I love Chris at fifteen. I don't I, like him as much at seven. I like him. I, I like Chris. I did a mock draft with the, the good people of Salt Lake City, um, a radio station out there, um, and it was between Chris Dunn and uh, Marquise Chris. And I thought about it, and it, I like given the options at the time. I was like, I, if the Nuggets are going to look to move on from Fareed, they're going to need someone to step into that four. And he's a stretch four. I could see that happening. He kind of reminded me, watching some of his little game footage of Chris, kind of reminded me of, you know, maybe a taller, free type player, I was thinking. But then, like, he's not that great of a rebounder yet. I mean, he's kind of slender. He is athletic. I don't really know who he's like. You know, I mean, he's he does have some, he has some range to his game. He can shoot the threes a little bit. You know, he can hit jumpers a little bit. He can post up a little bit. He's very athletic. He can go up and get balls in on alley oops, which you know the Nuggets have ran a plethora of creative plays to get alley oops last season. So I don't know. That'd be a, that'd be a hard one if he was there. Like if it was healed, if it was healed or Chris, I take Chris. If it's Murray or Chris, I think that's a tougher decision. I would take Murray still. I think I would too. I, I just I, the, I think the only guy I take over Murray is probably Bender. Yeah. But the chances that two of those three, or maybe even one of those three, being there is not that likely. Well, you know, there again, what about Chris Dunn? Yeah, Dunn. I mean, there are there there are lots of players who are trying to cram into the top five spots right. they're not going to be in the top five top six even i mean there's... i mean jalen brown made some sort of delirious comment about uh, uh since he worked out for the the 76ers that must mean that they think he's going to be that, that he thinks that they think that they're going to draft him at one tell I you mean, what he goes back for a sophomore season and plays well he might be the number one pick next year you know, I mean, he's missed the deadline. Right? <laughs> he's missed the deadline for <laughs> sure. But, you know, I think he has that kind of talent where he could have challenged for, especially with Brandon Ingram. You know, I, I think Ingram's going to be a heck of a player. I think he's the perfect guy for Denver in this draft that yeah. they're not going to be able to get. Uh, but to me, you know, is Ingram a lock for the number two pick if Jalen Brown was really, really good in his workouts for the Lakers? I don't think so. I think you could. I don't think it would be insane. I think it would be kind of crazy to pass on Simmons because of the hype train. I don't think it would be as crazy to pass on Ingram. Although, I mean, personally, I think it would be. But I could see generally it would be like, yeah, okay, you like Jalen Brown better. All right. Uh, Man, because Jalen Brown doesn't actually impress me tremendously. His lack of shooting bugs the crap out of me. But at the same time, it was pointed out today, LeBron did not come in as a shooter. You know, there are there are players. I mean, look at Moutier. Moutier's still not a shooter. He improved as the year went on, but he's still not a shooter. 
I mean, there, there's guys that, 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 that don't have that requisite skill right now that can improve as they get older. Are, am I just kind of being stuck in my ways of being not, of having that being affected by that shooting percentage? With uh, yeah, that's the thing. With, be, with Ray Jalen Brown, I'm sure there's probably an article out there because it seems like everybody's a basketball writer nowadays. Seems like it. But I wonder if there's been a, a study done or an article about how much guys improve from college to the NBA as far as three point shooting percentages, mm, particularly at a certain age too. I mean, people are cutting guys are coming in at nineteen. We need a study on this somehow. People are, guys are coming in nineteen we want and a study. I mean, listen, Buddy Heald is a better better shooter. Want an institute to study this and tell me? And the Institute of Shooting, like how, well, you know, <laughs> for guys like Moutier, like how much can you say? Okay, so Moutier. Even with even with Jason Kidd, right? Like Jason Kidd improved as a shooter, but when he was with Dallas, and let's say the ball swung to him for an open three, and he lets it go, I'm going, oh man, I don't know if that's going in. But when Dirk Nowitzki lets it go, I go, yeah, it's probably going in. You well, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, because even though Kidd improved, it wasn't like he was a, you know, he wasn't Clay Thompson or Steph Curry out there. Well, and and you know, Kidd was also surrounded by guys who weren't tremendous shooters either. I mean, Jamal Mashburn wasn't, you know, Mr. Rain in threes. He was an okay shooter, but he wasn't great, and neither was Jim Jackson. Yeah. I mean, mean it really just I mean? kind like, of depends on your roster, too, doesn't it? I mean, if doesn't your, your, your roster around you affect how you approach the way you shoot for threes? Or, or not even threes, just in general, you know? Does the, does the person who is, like, right next to you who shoots a high percentage... Okay, that person you're going to defer to that person because you're you know maybe that you call better, that the uh, are you talking about maybe the Andre Iguodala effect where he's suddenly like a shooting more threes because of the team he's on yeah <laughs> it's the know. it's the Iggy effect is what I call that <laughs> <laughs> Jeff I'll let you answer this one Bobby Gonzalez with another one here who's been the most intriguing prospect to come to the Pepsi Center and what about the lack of prospects coming in we'll tackle that but who's who have you liked so far that's come in. Um, Juancho Hernan Gomez really impressed me a lot. Um, he was, he was, I don't know. He had just had, kind of had that, that that little bit of something. He reminded me of like a little bit of Isaiah Ryder. No, yeah, Isaiah Ryder. Yes, um, a little bit of like Gallo if he was a better shooter. You know. <laughs> It if was, Gallo was a better if shooter. Gallo was a better shooter. Yeah, that'd be nice. He's a he's a very, um, and he's he's very rangy. I mean, it was he was between him, Wancho, and it was between it was between him and uh, uh, Furkan Korkmaz. And Korkmaz impressed me with his his attitude. But both guys English, pretty good English speakers. Okay, adequate, adequate, adequate for both. I mean, it's they're about the way you would expect from people. I mean, Korkmaz has never been to the United States before, well, ever. And we heard a, I won't name the player, but there was a, a Nuggets player, um, I believe last season or so, I mean, this was from last season, he'd been on the team, maybe he hasn't, I don't know. But there was a Nuggets player where the coaches were using slang terms and lingo where the guy was going, what do you mean? And one of them was like, you got to protect the hole. And the player asked, well, what's the hole? Like, I don't know that that term, you know? So, I mean, there is even though there's like there's some obviously language barriers but there's also like those slang terms like that where stuff like that once that improves or comes up to speed that 
I think helps a guy really take there off. There is the barrier, yeah. Furkan Korkma seemed to understand English pretty well, and so did Wancho. But um, uh, for, Korkma has really impressed me with his attitude, and he was, like, eager. He was really eager, and he wanted to just come in and do his thing. And that kind of really impressed me, too. And he, he, he did a nice dunk, between-the-legs dunk, um, that you see on my video, the CSG, mm, yes. CSG video, where I, I took of Korkma's at the end. We finally got to see a dunk. Uh, and uh, it was it was really impressive. He did he went from behind the basket, and and dunked the ball, and it was it was great. And that those two impressed me by far the most. Number three would be Wade Baldwin. Oh yeah, I like Wade Baldwin. Wade Baldwin, and the thing you like about he's not tall. He's not really tall for a for for a uh, a guard, but he is got incredible wingspan. Yeah, he's a wingspan of a center. And he was ready to go. He was ready to go. You could just see it in his eyes. He was ready. Is that like Rondo-esque, the arms? Yeah, it was. And his attitude was just so good. I mean, I like the, 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 com- the, the combination of attitude and um, athleticism or, or, or just body build. Because Wade Baldwin, he came in and he just looked like he was going to you know, effing dominate. He just looked like that. And I think, uh, I think Stanley Johnson gave off that impression last season. He did too, yeah. He did. Just and, like and a man. Stanley Johnson had a had a single workout kinda like uh um uh Luwawa and uh Korkmaz. Yeah. And it was just you know, just a combination of those circumstances. But I like those three. Now as far as the why people aren't coming in, um agents have a very large control of the process right now. And it's all about manipulating draft. Um, Nobody wants slot. a, you know, it's it's basically a, a six-player draft. Nobody wants to be seen as the seventh player. Yeah, and this is not anything to do with Denver. If Denver was number three in the in the slot, there, there would be no issue as far as this goes. If they were number yeah. two, number one, the fact that this is a very even draft has affected a lot of the way the teams view the draft and a lot of the agents have taken control of it and said well we're only going to work out and we're not going to give you our medical records um like chris dunn i think is uh, one that hasn't given up medical records uh jalen brown I, i'm not even sure he has he probably has a reason since dunn's body's been broken a few times it has <laughs> and you know people are teams are afraid to like look into that it's kind of like what uh, porzingis's agent did with the 76ers last year and if you like chris dunn and you don't know about Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast for some weird reason, go listen to it because it's, it's pretty incredible. He talks about uh, his mom was incarcerated. So him and his brother, when they were like, I think, 13 and Dunn was 9, I think his brother's 5 years older than him, they were living by themselves. And so they were trying to like figure out how to make money, and he said his older brother would sell clothes because his mom always kept him in like really nice clothes or they always had like the latest stuff so he could sell some stuff. And Dunn himself would actually go to the park and play kids that were like, when he was nine, he was playing 15-year-olds and all these kids for money in one-on-one basketball. And he talks about how That's he would incredible. beat them and how he would like sit and watch these guys play and figure out how they played and then what he needed to do to beat individual guys and stuff. And, you know, Woj is obviously like, well, that would translate over pretty well, I would think, you know? Because that's what you have to do now. You always hear Battier and even hear Wilson Chandler talks about watching guys' tendencies and trying to push guys into certain areas, you know. So it's 
He's an intriguing prospect. Yes, to me, he is. But. Yes, he is. And, and and anyway, that is why, that is why you're not seeing like the flood. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Nothing to do with the Nuggets. All right. Here we go. Fabian at House Fabian. I don't understand that name, but that's cool. Fabian. 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 I'm thinking Fabio. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, I think you are. Uh, what sort of blood sacrifices should we be performing to have Murray fall to the Nuggets? I think okay, that's thanks. up your alley, there, uh, Nate. Yeah, um, I would be very happy if he fell. I think that we need to, I don't know exactly what to do. Go cut, to Elitch's with a, a bucket of goat's blood and pour it down one of the slides. <laughs> don't be doing that. <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> um, we need to. I'd be happy if Murray fell. If it's Murray that's the odd man out and falls to seven, I'd be pretty stoked. I would be pretty freaking happy yeah i mean what okay let me let me ask you i mean people didn't think devin booker is going to be able to play defense or play worth a shit and he looks pretty damn good for phoenix let me ask you nate not that um, they're the same guy but what if buddy healed fell fell if it's buddy healed i think you're drafting gary harris's backup at seven i think you might want to look somewhere else i was speaking with some people at uh, a workout recently and we were talking about Buddy Heald. And I said, there's some ageism in the NBA. Yeah, I got it. I got me some ageism. <laughs> too old, man. Too old. Um, there's some ageism in the NBA. And if you're 22, you're looked as someone who wasn't good enough because you didn't come out at 19. You know, that's just that's the way things are. However... There's some legitimate concerns with Heald in terms of not being able to create off the dribble. He's he's not off the bounce. He's very catch and shoot. And I was I told these people I said like I remove Heald from the equation. I would take Murray. Oh yeah, if it was, it was Heald two, wouldn't but, even be an option for me. But I think honestly, I mean, if it's just Heald though, like if it goes, what is it? I don't know. If it's just healed and you don't have anybody else to choose from, I'd take him. I mean, come on. He's, we'll see how Buddy does. Yeah, but, but, I mean, look at it this way. I mean, if, if it's healed comes down to you, who's being selected before him? I mean, it's it's going to be like guys like Marquise you'd have Chris. Have, you'd have to have Chris. Chris, Chris. You'd have to have Chris <laughs> and uh, Jalen Brown and Dunn all go in the top six. Yeah. Right? Well, I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> I can't count this out. If we're wrong, we're wrong. And, you know, and Mark Keys Chris, Chris keeps creeping up there in the in the. I know. I'm I, curious to see where he goes because I, I don't think New Orleans would take him. I don't think so either. Maybe maybe Phoenix. Maybe he'd be good. Yeah, Phoenix should take him. They just traded Marquise Morris. They could use Marquise Chris. All right, here we go. Shane Bronson at SB Homeig. You guys have some weird Twitter handles. Uh, he asked, do you guys think that Tim and crew are tossing around Dwight Howard ideas? And what do you both think about it? Dwight Howard ideas? What kind of throw-up button? <laughs> what kind of ideas are they having about Dwight? I, th- I think he's got a good point because he's a free agent, he's a big name, he's a star player, and he might sell some tickets. But the people that would buy those tickets, you don't want at the games because they don't know anything about basketball. Uh, they probably wouldn't cheer. They'd be on their phones taking selfies. They'd have selfie sticks that hopefully security would confiscate. But, no, you, you, you don't want Dwight Howard in Denver. I hope they're not tossing around that idea because that's Jokic and Nurkic's position for the foreseeable future. 
And no, please don't sign Dwight Howard. Center is not an area of need. They don't need to be uh, going Best player available. I don't think he's that either. I think Jokic is a better player than Dwight Howard at this point. I mean, Dwight's, what, 32? I love Jokic. I don't know. He could be 40. <laughs> he said this history of back problems? Yeah. I mean, I just, no, no, no. Just no way. Yeah. All right. So this kind of goes hand in hand with that. Jackson Tuck. Jackson PT15. Jackson point 15, hopefully. Where's number 15? Uh, do you think the Nuggets stick to building and developing through the draft or try to make a splash via trade or free agency to help spike interest? That is the million-dollar question yes, it is, of this entire offseason. <laughs> I mean, that really is. But we all know it, right? We all know the, the tale of how there's going to be DeMarcus Cousins rumors. There's going to be Kevin Love rumors. There's going to be Blake Griffin rumors. They're all going to happen again this summer, I'm, I do believe. I mean, we all know the, the, the tale. We all know that the Nuggets really struggled with their attendance. Like, worse that they've done attendance-wise in yeah. a, a generation. Yeah. And... We know all that stuff, but we also know that as soon as you start short-circuiting the process, the process, and I hate that, there's more than one way to build a team. What? But I, I just if you start doing things because the fans aren't coming, eventually it's just not going to work. It's well, shit, proven it's not going to work. If you can sign Durant or LeBron, if they'll agree to come here, yeah. If well, they, yeah, they should, of course. They should yeah. kick the tires on those guys 100%. <laughs> um, I think they're going to poke around trades. I think they're going to, you know, I don't know if they'll pull the trigger on the deal because, like we were talking about earlier with that DeMarcus Cousins fake trade, if you give up Gallo and Farid and draft picks, like, can you still put enough around him to where he's not in the same situation he was in? I mean, I, I always say this one. Look at what happened with Carmelo and the Knicks. You know, yes, they had bad management around him, but they gutted that team to get him. And you don't want to see Denver do that, but I do think they'll poke around in both free agency and trades uh, to, to try to make a splash. I really do think they will, but I hope that they stay true to building and developing through the draft. I, I hope that they do that. Or with free agents, I hope they go for younger free agents like Alan Crabb, who Harrison Wind of BSN Denver loves him some Alan Crabb. That's, that's, like, that's, 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 one of those, that's one of those signings and you're like, you only think it's good in hindsight. Because it's like Alan Crabb isn't going to be basically moving the needle, so yeah, it's like it's, like it's not one of those things that you're, you're going to look at in free agency and go, well, you know, I mean, ten two, more people will come because Alan Crabb is here, you know, that sort of thing. And two trades I love that Denver pulled off with working team was uh, Jar Smith getting him from the Bulls for Howard Isley and, and a second round pick, mm-hmm. and then uh, grabbing Aaron Aflalo from the Pistons for basically nothing as well, you know. Make smart deals like that where you get a guy just before he gets on the NBA map. You know, Denver did it with Will Barton last year. Uh, you know, they got him right before he, you know, really broke out and they allowed him to break out. So, you know, be smart. I, I still think that the best way to do this is through the draft and is through making smart trades. You know, if you go get a big star, I don't know. That's like finding a significant other that has a ton of baggage. Hey, I got I, four kids and a bunch of debt. You know, here you go. Would they? Would the? Would these stars be happy with sur- being surrounded by Emmanuel Mudiay and Nikola Jokic? I would. It's, be. it's well, I mean, yeah, we would. But I would, I would a star, star be? Yeah. I mean, I, that's it's, that's a hard sell. That's a really hard sell. I mean, where there's a certain uh, member of the local media, 
I won't mention his name, head <coughs> of Mars, who is r- really in support of the Nuggets going after Kevin Love. Yeah, but he's basically going into a situation where he's surrounded by a bunch of 21-year-olds. How happy would he be? You know, and he's not exactly known as Mr. Happy Locker Room Guy. I, I, why, why would those things, I mean, there's a lot of considerations that you have to take into this process. Yeah, but now if you, you do it, you it. do a smart trade, but I don't think a star, quote-unquote, is going to come to Denver until they know that this is an up-and-up culture. And no one paid attention to the Nuggets last year. No one knows right now. You look at the, the, the uh, rookie of the year voting. They put Jokic behind Kristaps Porzingis, and Nikola Jokic had a better year. So let's say you have to pick one guy, either Cousins, Blake, or Love. One guy is coming to Denver via trade. Which one would you be okay with? God. Of the three, Cousins is the one who's the most dominant. Yeah, boogie. But, God, I don't want him anywhere near this team. <laughs> you got to take chances, I, man. I, I mean, that would be, oh, I couldn't. And people think Mike, Michael Malone is like some sort of, like, boogie whisperer. Boogie whisperer. People need to stop this. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he comes here, just his attitude, and Nuggets <laughs> win a title. You never know. I mean, this reminds me of the people who are thinking that, uh, that uh, JaVale McGee would suddenly change because George Carl. I mean, for, for me with Kevin Love, he's interesting to me because people smarter than I am about the actual game of basketball have defended his defense even in the finals, like talked about how his defense was not that bad. We saw obviously the one play that stands out when he's one-on-one with Curry. Um, it depends on what he wants his role to be. You know, I mean, you'd still want, even if you got Kevin Love here, you know, is he that good enough to take you to a title? No. But would he be willing to take somewhat of a backseat to Moutier, Jokic? Would he be willing to be part of a team? I don't know if he's entirely shown that. He might have shown that in Game 7 of the Finals, but that was one game for a title. Um, He's intriguing to me. I wouldn't absolutely hate it with everything if Denver traded for him, if they had him here. But I wouldn't be thrilled about it either. It'd be be an interesting move. As for Blake Griffin, he is is dangerously close to have been... Having having the best of his athleticism spent already, yeah, it'd be like when Denver got Kenyon Martin. It really, though, it's there's some warning signs there, and that uh, it, you just. I guess not after Denver got Kenyon Martin. After Kenyon Martin got injured in Denver, I would a few say times. Kenyon Martin post 2006. Yeah, yeah, basically like where it's like ugh, those knees relies heavily on the athleticism. Still was productive. Still yeah. was good, but I mean, definitely. Was well, not I mean, yeah, what he turned. You he, but, but but Kenyon adapted. Kenyon became a defensive quarterback, you know, on the Nuggets. Uh, I don't know if Blake Griffin is interested in that sort of thing, you know. Kenyon had like a he had a putback dunk one time. I can't remember where it was. Was it against the Clippers or something or the Bulls where he was just like sky high? And it was like, holy uh, shit. Do you remember that? Like one-handed? It was in Portland, I think. Yeah, it was in Portland. And it was just like. What the hell? That was old school Kenyon. Kenyon could up, do man. that. Kenyon could do that sort of thing. Love. He's one of my favorite all time players. Love Kenyon. Did, did you lo- love that podcast that he did with uh, Woj? Loved it. It was great. When he was talking about like the whole Tim Thomas thing and about seeing him in a club in oh, Dallas. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. He's like, you know, I've I'm not I've never been, you know, I'm not a I'm not a thug, you know, I don't do this, but some of my friends they want to go after him. <laughs> That was incredible. If you haven't listened to that podcast with you have Rose, to. Kenyon Martin, oh, oh my God. Kenyon, Kenyon always treated me very well, except for 
Has everyone heard my Kenya Martin story? No. Oh, okay. When did you ever meet Kenya Martin? I always met, treated met him, me well. Like you've yeah, I met him, him several well. times actually before I became even involved with the media. That's a long story. But one of the other times I. Uh, uh, it was Andy and I. At, there was a Nuggets did like a get together. It was pre Punchbowl Social, so there was this place on I, I don't know downtown somewhere that's no longer in existence, and um, all of us were there. Andy invites me to go, and I'm like, okay. So we go, and there was a bunch of like tables where there was like you know fun, like card playing going on, and there was a bar at the back where I talked to Scott Hastings and all this stuff. Well. I go and I'm I'm standing next to Kenyon who's sitting at the table, and and they're playing cards. And I'm looking down, just watching the action, and there, there there was a chair right in front of me that was open. Ken's like, "Don't look at my hand, Ken." <laughs> or no. old and, man. And after about five minutes, he looks up at me and says, "Man, sit the fuck down!" And he grabs me and pulls me off. The chair. I figured maybe if you were standing next to Kenyon while he was sitting, you'd be the same height. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> And he just pulls me This doesn't me down. sound like a good story, Jeff. Sounds like Kenyon was very upset. He was were, upset at me. That you were bothering him. Because I was, I was hovering, as my mother would say. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, I learned my lesson there. And then he looks over at me as we're playing. He looks over at me and goes, oh, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> what? It's like, Kenyon, all right. But anyway, yeah, the, 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 there was Blake Griffin, Kenyon, we digress. Blake Griffin, Kenyon Martin, that's a great comparison. And, you know, you worry about that with Blake. And I don't think Blake makes this Nuggets team any better. Yeah. Don't trade for Blake. Don't do it. All right, man. That might be about it for uh, most of the bulk of the talk. I do want to talk a little bit about some of the prospects in this draft that if Denver was going to draft at 15 and 19, I would want them to take. Okay. Because there's, there's obviously Corkmez, there's Luwawu. I really like Denzel Valentin at Michigan State. And I really like uh, Tareen Prince out of Baylor. I think if Denver doesn't get like the shooter they want at seven, I think they should really consider Prince out of Baylor. He's a six eight, really small forward. Maybe he can play some power forward in the league. He can shoot threes. Very confident guy. Had some funny interviews during the, the tournament. Uh, I don't know. He might be a pretty good player. Torian Prince. Yeah, I believe that's his name. I don't know much about him. Um, have you done much video study on him? I watched him during the year a few times. Yeah. I watched Baylor play a few times. And, you know, to me, he might be one of those prospects that gets drafted and has a great career, and you just never even really thought about him being picked. Or he's Perry Jones III. Who knows? But he's I, intriguing. I mean, he's if you're looking for that wing player, I mean, he's he's way bigger than, than Corky. He's got... You know, the ex- I don't know about experience. I can't say experience. Although I think he is a touch older. I need to look him up. 20? I'm going to look him up. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I like the idea of, like, Valentin and Prince more so than Luawu and Korkmez just because of the age. It's like I think those other guys would come in and they could play. Malone has said he doesn't want to make the team a lot younger. I think those guys are young, but they don't make the team younger, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. they have experience levels that would they come in and be able to contribute. Yeah. yeah. Although I think Prince has some, maybe some questions to answer on <laughs> some maturity stuff, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I like him, though, man. He's going to be... Well, Torian Prince, okay. I mean, where are you thinking, though, with him? 
15, 19? Yeah, I, I don't see Denver using all three picks. So, I mean, I think you, you take 15 and 19. Maybe you just sell 19 for Denver Stiff's favorite term, cash considerations. Cash considerations. And a future pick down the road or something, you know. But I don't know. I, I think there's, you know, does Denver need to go get a, a backup point guard? Can't you just keep signing guys like, you know, Jameer Nelson, DJ Augustin? Can't you just keep doing that for a while? What if you draft one of these backup point guards? Like, what if you drafted Wade Baldwin and, my God, he's better than Moutier, and now you got to get rid of Moutier, or Moutier is now worthless, you know? Who knows? I don't know if that could happen, but... Well, that's a good problem to have, though. I mean, you... you yeah. I mean, you, it happened with the Nurkic, perhaps. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, let me ask you this. Say so the Nuggets go through seven spot, okay? Prince is slated on... Uh, NBADraft.net doesn't have sound, so that's why I look at it, but they haven't... I don't trust this at all. They haven't slated at thirtieth. Oh, interesting. I thought he was higher. Than well, that. I think Draft Express has him much higher. I don't want to go to that because it plays sound and gets uh, on the pod, and pisses <laughs> me off. I think um, my issue, right? Not it's not an issue. Say the Nuggets uh, come to seven, right? And they they go ahead and use the pick, but they take oh I don't know. It just ends up that they have to take Marquise Chris, right? Yeah. Come to 15. Um, Wancho's there. Uh, I don't know. NBA draft I don't think Cork Miles will be there. 29. I don't think, think Cork Miles will be there. I don't think Luau will be there by 15. Who do you take? Prince? Is that, is that, is that who you would take at 15? I mean, I... I I would consider him. I, I think Denver should consider, you know, Valentin. I think they should consider Prince. Obviously, Hernagones. Well, Valentin's like late first, isn't he, though, right? I mean, he's more in the 19 range, isn't he? Yeah, he's right around in there. But, I mean, if you, you're not going to use both picks if you just use one of them. I don't know. I think there's some, I think there's some players in the middle of this draft. I like a lot of the guys in the middle of this draft. And Denver doesn't necessarily need to, to draft two guys there, obviously. But, I mean, I think there's some players. Baldwin, uh, Corky, as we've talked about. Uh, and I, I, Harrison Wind had brought up Malik Beasley. I'm sure he may have talked about him on the, on the yeah. BSM podcast. Um, Richardson out of Syracuse. Interesting. Can he play defense? Who knows? Nobody, nobody knows. Uh, Thon Maker. Oh, where is Baldwin slated in the NBA draft? Which is, by the way. The, I think he's, the, like, anywhere from, like, 10 to, like, 20. Because you know, the, the I mean, NBA draft up net, I mean, they, they've got some wacky, wacky slotting right there. Yeah, and wacky. Draft Express, I don't know how accurate they always are. I think they're pretty good. But, I mean, with these middle-of-the-round guys, I think they're all, you just never know. I you mean, reach? once upon a time, as I've said, Barton was projected to go 20, and he goes 40, so you never know. Do you reach for Baldwin? I don't know about reaching for him. He's slated on here at fourteen. I mean, I think he's. I think he's really in that ten to fifteen range. I would totally take him. My, personally, I would take him. He impressed the crap out of me when at the at the workout. Yeah, I I, I would take Baldwin six ways from Sunday. But I that. What, so, I mean, that's what you're saying. Like you're going to get one guy at seven, and then Denver's probably only going to get one other guy, right? And your guys, Baldwin, you think like out of the yeah, let's I, say I out take, of out of Luawu, Corkmez, all those guys, your guy you think would be Baldwin. It's close. I mean, I would think I would still take uh, Korkmaz, but I think Korkmaz is going to be late lottery. I think he's going to go like 12, 12 or 13. I really do. Um, 
But if the Nuggets end up like not drafting him, I mean, if he goes up before that, between Luau and Luawa and uh, um, uh, Baldwin, I would take Baldwin actually. Yeah, it's, like I said, man, I think there's some players in the middle of this draft that are, are very intriguing. I like them. That they're, 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 I mean, that's the, the intriguing thing about this draft is that there's a lot of players that you would salivate for who are in lottery projection that you would think, man, if they were just like number 15. Yeah, Marquise that Chris, would be the, perfect example. Yeah, that would be the I mean, you snatch him up 15. at 15 and feel great. I can't see Toronto, or maybe not Toronto, but let's just say uh, Jacob Pirtle. I can't see a team draft. I think he's going to have a big slide on draft night. He played against he shitty competition. Yeah. He dominated small guys. He got his butt kicked by Sabonis in the tournament. I I, I just think he may fall, which may, you know, I, it's going to be, I, I'm really intrigued to see how this draft goes. Henry Ellison, another guy, pretty interested to see where he goes. Um, you know, will his game translate to the NBA? Will, will, will teams want to take you know, big, slow, white guy? I don't know how slow he is, but basically that's what he is. He's a, kind of a stiff. He's a slow white guy. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, mean there's, there's some guy. I think Valentin may go a lot higher than projected. Uh, I don't know. It's, I saw Zimmerman. He was, he was at the Wancho uh, workout. With Tyler Eulis was there, too. Stephen Zimmerman at a UNLV? Eulis was interesting. I think Eulis could really run an offense. God, he's tiny. But he's so small. Listen. It's 150 pounds. There's a Imagine lot of you, LeBron setting a screen on him, both of his shoulders just popping out of place. There's, there's a lot of you who have not met me. Okay? I am, I am short. I am Very short. I am, I am five foot seven. It, on a good day, <laughs> high shoes. When, when he's I'm, got his heel lifts in. When, when, I'm, when I'm wearing my heels. Um, Tyler Eulis, I could almost look in the eye. <laughs> I, and it's I was terrifying. Like, and that was like, oh man, that's like Earl Boykin's like small. Yeah, but I mean, if you're getting Tyler Eulis, but he was the, really good. If you're getting him in the middle of the second round, I mean, if Denver took a flyer on him, if he was back at like 53, but look you, at could you Isaiah be mad Thomas. About that? I mean, look at Isaiah Thomas. He's like what four foot five? Yeah, right around there. It's <laughs> <laughs> exact. <laughs> Von Makers from Australia. Yeah, another Australian. Golly, he's, like, he's kids these days. This is like Della Vadova. Did you see that picture of Della Vadova in the Hawaiian shirt? Is that when he's drinking the Corona can? It's a partying in Vegas. Yeah. That'd be fun to win. <laughs> Looking like a guy who's like... Uh, oh, man, I forgot about that. They're in Oakland, so they probably could have just chartered a flight to Vegas yeah. in two seconds, which is probably what they did, right? Yeah, they went to Vegas and partied. Gosh, um, brilliant. Well, what do you think of Thon Maker? I don't know. I haven't watched anything on him. I just... I keep hearing about him, and I watched a little video, and I'm like, eh. Seven I, feet, I, 200 pounds. Yeah. Got a long way to go. I mean, I, I, there's, there's. Well, there's the other guy that's intriguing too. Is, is Scal Labassier? Labassier, Labassier, the A. I'm horrible at pronouncing stuff, people. Uh, Scal, I mean, where does he? Where, where I missed does he his go? workout. I missed his workout. So I, I. And the Bryce Johnson this is the same area, right? Uh, yeah, uh, Scal Bryce is slated to go way later because the ageism. Ageism, but, yeah. yeah. Well, what, do you, what, did, what did you think of Scal? Because he was, you know, was one of those North Carolina guys that, uh, no, I know, he was. Scal's Kentucky Kentucky, guy. yeah, that's right. North uh, Carolina was uh, Bryce yeah, Johnson. I don't know. I, too skinny, should stay in school and eat more food. <laughs> smoke, smoke more pot in the dorm. <laughs> if that gets him hungry, <laughs> go for it, you know? <laughs> Whatever, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, 
Bryce Johnson seems like a guy that like has the range and shot blocking ability to be a rim protector, I guess. I but I mean, those are guys that is kind of like, eh, they'd be great as a second late first or a second round pick. I mean, even Scal, I just was not. I mean, seems like a lot of guys in this draft or like this draft is just not full of elite talent. So there's like this push of guys that are being talked about as elite players or in the elite slots in this draft that maybe shouldn't be. You know, this is the way it was described to me by people in the NBA. This is a this is a gal. This is a draft where about twenty picks would be great from about. 12 to 20. So mid-first-round picks. This draft is stacked with mid-firsts. Which, you know, listen, uh, where, where was Kawhi drafted? Yeah, you, like 11, 12. 11. Like Paul that. George was like 10. I mean, that's, that's late lottery. But, I mean, you're getting like, you know, Clay Thompson was 11. Once he, in certain drafts, you can be like that. So if, the, if this draft is stacked with mid-firsts, you can still probably find someone and hope that they take that leap. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we got to read this tweet. This will be our last thing we discuss quickly, and then we're going to get out of here. We've got food to eat, people to talk to. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski sources Orlando Magic made aggressive run to hire Chauncey Billups as Frank Vogel's top assistant. But Billups has declined. Talks were serious. Huh. Chauncey always said that he wasn't into coaching. And he wants to be in the front and office. And he wants to be in the front office. I think, if he, I think if he sticks to his guns, he'll get a front office offer at some point. He will. He will. Listen, Denver loves Chauncey Billups, but I sometimes circumstances dictate that you can't, that, that that's... That Chauncey can't be... you got a pretty good cook in the kitchen right now, as far as I'm concerned. So sometimes circumstances dictate that Chauncey can't be on his home team. Yeah. Uh, his home, hometown NBA team. So I, I just, I mean, that's the way it goes. I love Chauncey. I, 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 I talked to him during games, after game uh, five of the NBA playoffs in 2010. The Nuggets had just beat the beat the Utah Jazz. Um, he was in a great mood. Met him in the tunnel. Um, it was great conversation. Did he push you? Or no, seems, there was there no. Seems to be a theme with you and athletes. No, it was getting just, dragged down or pushed. That we, then, no, that's just a that's just a John <laughs> Elway thing. That's not anyone. And Kenny else. Martin. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah, was he dragged pulled you me. down into a chimple? <laughs> like getting physically assaulted by famous athletes in Denver. <laughs> Maybe that's a theme. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, 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 I love Chauncey, but I just like, and I think you agree with this, man. It's just sometimes it just it's not right, and I think this is the situation in Denver where it's just not the right circumstance. Yeah, who the hell's Detroit? They should fire that Bowers guy and just hire him. No, but Stan, still have GM in place. Stan Van Gundy has his puppet. Uh, GM. Right. He's got all Chunks the control. That, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to get out of here. CSG podcast. Maybe we'll be back after the draft. We'll definitely will be back uh, the week after the draft. So yeah. We'll see if we can't get something up sooner to talk about what the Nuggets did. We'll find out in uh, less than 48 hours now. Uh, was it Tuesday? Yeah. 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 Less than 48 hours. All right. We'll see you guys next, next week. Bye. Bye.